something like that, yeah. DJ Nibbles with DJ you. DJ Neko with you. Live recorded. Hordes of Chaos, but it's our Halloween special. Spooky, 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 spooky. You're not scaring me. <laughs> not yet, anyway. Well, I mean. <laughs> yeah, that, that could go really bad in that conversation. <laughs> so, happy Halloween, everyone. It's coming up. Very soon. And I get to miss another Halloween out to yeah. see. Miss last year. I'm going to miss this year because I'm leaving on Monday. Neko's going back out on the ship. That's right. I got how many weeks home? How many weeks have I been home since um, September 7th? So I got a good month and a half home. Um, but I'm leaving on Monday for Taiwan. I'll be in Taiwan for about two weeks and then hitting the road. Or the open seas. <laughs> hitting the road. <laughs> hitting no the, road to be hitting yeah, out there. Yeah, no road to be hitting. Um, but I love Halloween. At one point, um, our friend Sandy used to have a Halloween party every year, and it was we looked forward to it. Uh, we we dress up. One year we were pirates. Um, you know, we would just get creative. Well, uh, that's sort of like one of the things that I want to talk about is like our favorite Halloween moments and actually I was thinking about it. Uh, for those that never saw it we actually dressed up as immortal one year uh, for Halloween and went to the the um, party dressed as immortal yeah. it, was it was DJ Nubis, myself and yeah. our nephew yeah it was a lot of fun. People were giving us a lot of weird stares as we're driving in the car <laughs> to over to... We'd be at a traffic and light. And, of course, anyone else who really... Because, see, most of the people that we know, like, firsthand that aren't, like, from the Internet or out of state or whatever... Or not metalheads. Right. They would assume that we were, like, Kiss or something, but that wasn't the case. <laughs> but that was a lot of fun. And I also... You know, we did Hordoween twice mm -hmm. with Big O and Dukes, you know two years ago um i was you didn't dress up at all the first time i did you did we, we did Robin um, Hood or, um, little red riding hood and, and the, the big, big bad, bad wolf. wolf yeah the last time though i just dressed up as Minnie mouse i had a dress that was very Minnie mouse like and i got some ears and painted my nose and whiskers i really do enjoy those hordoweens yeah i mean it's been about i the last two years, I didn't get to celebrate Halloween at all. We are going to carve pumpkins yeah. tonight. and We're doing this podcast, so we're getting some of it in yeah. there. Yeah, and... Unfortunately, as we get older, eating candy is not really an option. <laughs> yeah, no candy. And when I was a kid, I always wanted to be something a little bit different, too. Like, I um, one year I dressed up as the Grim Reaper, and I was in fifth grade, you know, some years I did things like Tinkerbell, um, I was a cowboy one year, I was a, uh, like, I Dream a Genie one year, so I always kind of, like, mixed it up. What did you dress up as when you were a kid? Hmm, I don't even really remember. Uh, I think Casper one time, maybe? Um, was it like the Charlie Brown special? Did you have like extra holes in your in your sheet? <laughs> no, no, no. That was a plastic Casper. Oh God, do you remember those? Mm -hmm. oh, 
my mom made my costumes 90% of the time. And uh, one year I wanted to be a 50s girl. I was, I think it was fourth or fifth grade. I think Grim Reaper was fourth grade. And I do remember though as a teenager when I was throwing parties at my house in Colorado. I had some friends that actually were very clever. And it kind of got me into the whole thing with the Warriors. They dressed up as the Baseball Furies and they walked in. I was like, that's cool. We should do that one year if I'm ever home for Halloween. Dress up as the Baseball Furies or dress up as the Warriors. That yeah. would be fun. Yeah, Miss Kitty came down to see us. Great. She's just... Putting her stench all over everything. She's marking her territory. She's rubbing her face on everything. I, um... I love... My mom, like, she always made my costumes. Um, until probably about... I was in seventh grade. And that was the first year, I think, the the Halloween store opened near us. And she's like, we're gonna go check out these costumes to see if it's worth me pulling out the sewing machine and making you a costume and um <laughs> that's when i found the i dream of genie and sh i thought it was adorable i do remember going to uh it was like a party up in uva mm -hmm. uh when chris was up there and uh he had the, he had uh a friend make him this robe and then of course he had the uh the ghost face from scream as his mask and I was like, man, I want to be like that. But, like, mine was like this really sorry-ass-looking pumpkin face mask. <laughs> so it was, like, more like pumpkin head. Right. So, like, mine wasn't, like, not so much ghost face. But it was it was a fun part. It was kind of funny, though. I want to be um, the Headless Horseman one year and, and like, get, like, one of those masks heads, that, yeah. like, kind of are, it's all blacked out. And then, like, have the flaming pumpkin. That would be cool. And then have, like, a little fake horsey that I'm riding. <laughs> so, obviously, with the Halloween special, we're going to have some very dark music, as usual. But mm. a little bit dark. A little bit more uh, spooky-themed. Spooky, spooky skeleton. So, I guess I'm, like, typo-negative today. Halloween, of course. Ruins of Beverass. Um, some Savitots. Celtic Frost. King Diamond, of course. We still have DJ Neko's Pick of the Week, which will be in the rock block. Um, King Diamond, as you said. Mm -hmm. Some Slayer. You heard a cover there from Cradle of Filth to begin the show. That wasn't too bad. I, I don't know. At first when it started, I was kind of like, I don't know how I feel about this. But then when he was like, Ooh, so I was like, okay, yeah. that's a little better. It, well, it's always a funny thing with Danny's vocals, especially back then with the Banshee. It, it doesn't always work, but he mixes it up to where it's so pretty brutal. I like it. Uh, got a couple of movie reviews to get to, and of course some other great topics, and one of the things we did want to talk a little bit about was, uh, we talked about author Keith Hoskins on the last episode, his new book, Beyond the Portal, and you had a chance to actually finish Yeah, I finished it. reading it a couple of nights ago, and this is, for anyone who's interested in, interested in purchasing it, it's available on Amazon, it's Beyond the Portal, and Other Strange Stories, and this honestly is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 very, very different short stories. And it's perfect for this time of year. It's something different. Some of it, I mean, there's things involving traveling in time. There are aliens involved. There are, um, you know, conspiracy theories. It's, I really liked the book and of course you have your favorites it's kind of funny because the one story fishbowl um it's not really 
my favorite story and I kind of just read through it but I feel like that's the one that I keep rereading because I keep thinking about things from that story so that story particularly was very well written enough to the fact that I needed to keep going back and reading pieces of it it's hard for me to pick like my absolute favorite um it starts off very strong and it ends very strong so two very you know, captivating stories. When you strike at a king, I loved. Beyond the Portal, I liked, and that's what this this book is named after. But you know, I think it's just. I I honestly liked When You Strike at a King more than Beyond the Portal. Um, there are things in here that are supernatural. There are things in here that are very sci-fi. Um, I liked. There are, is a few um, stories that reference World War II, and I love historical fiction, so that's why I really like the briefcase because it, it is it takes place during World War or right before World War II. And um, there was one story too; it's called Dog Years, and it's just an absolute sweet story about all the different dogs that this old man had owned, and it's nothing. Did they make a movie like that? Um, they've made a few of them, but it, it's it's nothing like that. Nothing like the movie. It's just about all the the dogs that he's owned. You know, he had he had dogs when he was a soldier. He had his wife was blind, so she had seeing eye dogs. You know, it's just different, and it's just sweet. And because we're animal lovers, the one I think you would probably like the best is held captive and you would love dog ears too um i mean there's everything from robots and androids to uh things that you don't even think are possible and then one is actually it's called soul provider and it's about making a deal with the devil there also there's another one too about making a deal with the devil time on the road so this is a perfect Halloween book and because they're all individual short stories you can read a story it's 15 pages long put it down and come back to it without feeling like you're gonna not retain what's going on in the story so they're all separate stories they don't tie into each other almost like individual episodes of um what's that show that we like to watch Black Mirror mm -hmm. or Creeped Out some, yeah. something like that and that, that's where I can see some of these really going, like, especially, again, back to Fishbowl, that is, like, a perfect, again, I can't believe when I first read it, I was just like, meh, and now all I do is think about Fishbowl, out of all these stories, even though, like, the very first one I read, it, it had the biggest impact on me, and I loved it the most, again, some historical fiction in When You Strike at a King, um, but... You know, I read it, I moved on, I enjoyed it, and now, again, Fishbowl, you gotta read it. I don't know why, it just, I keep coming back to it. It's just very well written, and, you know. So you get that? DJ Neko approved. DJ Neko's Seal of Approval, Beyond the Portal, by Keith J. Hoskins, available on Amazon, and uh, Amazon Prime, actually. I say go out and order it. It's, I think, 12 or $15. I got it in two days, and I read it in, what, like, less than a week? So, we also have Lou Yardley's Hellhound. I think I bought the digital copy on my um, Kindle, and DJ Anubis bought the hard 
copy. He's still working on that. I'm loading up my Kindle, so I'm going to go and definitely read that while I'm out on the ship. Yeah, once I get through that, I'm still just early in the book, so I don't want to start talking about it now, but once I'm done with it, I'll definitely give my review about it. I do read a lot faster than DJ Anubis. I'm a, I could like blow through a book in two days, especially if I really like it. All right, we're going to kick off our first block of music here for y'all. Judas Priest, Nightcrawler. Ooh.
This is Anime from Darken and you are listening to the Holes of Chaos only on Metal Tower Radio. Welcome back to the Hordes of Chaos. This is DJ Neko. And DJ Nubis with our Halloween special 2019. You just heard Rotting Christ, Coronation of the Serpent. I actually really was saying while we were listening to it, I said, man, I really like that. Keyboards are very cool in that song. Yes. Very creepy. And that's actually older stuff, so their newer stuff isn't quite as raw as that anymore. But hey, it works. So I want to take the opportunity to show uh, my boy Chris Grant some love for his show. He and his uh, wife Kelly Grant, known as Krypton Scully for Metalomania. Uh, they do a podcast uh, live, generally live. Um, so they're, they're like, braver than us. They actually put their faces <laughs> yeah. on on the internet, and they're not afraid of video. Uh, um, we're 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 not meant for video. Yeah, not we're us. just we're just not there yeah. yet. We're not on that level yet. No, know? no. I mean, I don't think people want to look at us. Actually, <laughs> you maybe not me. But... Nobody wants to look at this this mug. <laughs> this this all this crazy crazy hair, crazy glasses, crazy teeth. But yeah, I think they uh, do their episodes like every Wednesday uh, between eight and nine o'clock, or eight and ten, something like that in the evenings. Uh, they've had uh, some good friends of ours, Snipers of Babel, on there quite a bit. Uh, Layla and all of them over there. So uh, definitely check them out. They play a lot of uh, local bands in the Maryland area as well as some, you know, obviously classic rock and metal bands, mainly thrash and death metal, uh, from what I can tell. But uh, they have a very uh, strong following. A lot of good episodes. You need to check it out, most definitely. Let's see. I'm trying to see. You can find them on Facebook. Uh, Metal-O-Mania. That's their page. And they have a Metal-O-Mania group, too, you can join. And they post all their new episodes up. And they're also on YouTube. I think he does post them on YouTube, like... All that, and then they, they have their site www.metalmania.live. So that might be where they actually do all their live stuff at. So you can find them there. It's pretty amazing, too. Um, we just do this honestly. We, we, we're happy when people listen, but we do it for ourselves because we enjoy, you know, bringing the music and listening to music. And DJ Anubis has such a vast collection of music that sometimes I forget. You know what, what what I've listened to, what I haven't haven't heard, but they're they're really taking it to you know a broader level than we are, and it's pretty awesome. I'm really, I am really happy that there are more metal shows out there that are getting, you know. Well, so, the, sometimes I think people like they they don't realize how many new metal bands are out there. I mean. You always hear people, especially people our age, and I've been guilty of this 
we we hear a lot of mainstream music and we're like, oh, there's nothing good out there. Well, there is. You got to look for it. And, you know, with... Oh, well, the underground is strong as ever right now. Like, you know, people might say, well, the mainstream is what opened the door for them, but there's so many bands underneath it. And it's like, that's the thing. Like, it doesn't matter, like, how many bands I'm aware of or I've got in my collection or whatever. I, there's always so many more. I hear, like, new bands every given week. Mm-hmm. And discover, you know, cool shit that's out there. So it's like, that's part of the thing. When I do these shows now, it's like, you know, I may have heard this record here or there, like, months ago. But then I'm like, oh, yeah, as I'm listening in my car. Like, I need to play this on the radio. Oh, yeah, we were talking about that the other day. Like, you, we, forget. For, I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot about this song. I haven't heard it in so long. And... Right. Yeah, that, that Riding Christ track actually came off a compilation I got in the 90s. So it's like, you know, I just I remember, I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to put this on the Halloween special. Yeah. Because it works. It does work. And there's a couple others that are the same thing that came off of compilation, but they had the whole overall feel that I like about the holiday and everything else. So so how did you pick Wolf Moon out of Typo Negative's vast collection for the Halloween? Because they're, they're very, you know, spooky and occult. And... Well, it, the first choice probably went on black number one, but I know I just played that more recently, mm. so... In order to kind of mix it up a little bit, uh, it's kind of just research. And when, you know, a lot of people, when they think of, like, Halloween music, this was one of the tracks that came up with Wolf Moon. So, figured, okay, it's a good tune. I like it. It fits the theme. I'm a big werewolf guy, so why not? Yes, you are. <laughs> so get finished on that Hellhound book. Yes, indeed. Well, coming up next, we have Halloween. Halloween some necromantia spirit forms of the psychromancer and the ruins of beverest ornaments on malice here we go classic halloween you all know what i'm talking about <laughs>
Where am I now? Is there anybody out there? What has happened? Am I in heaven? Or is it hell? I can see a light coming. It's coming here. It's shining. It's shining so bright.
Okay, DJ Anubis and... DJ Neko. Back with you with the Hordes of Chaos with our Halloween special. Spooky, spooky skeleton! <laughs> First of all, I want to say thank you to all you listeners that actually take the time to listen to our podcast and download them. And still haven't got a lot of feedback, so either we're doing something right or they just don't give a fuck. <laughs> one of the either, two. either one is fine with me. Yeah. Alright, so uh, a couple things to get to. First is... Halloween time is always like, even though I'm, I can watch horror movies anytime. We of watch year. a lot of horror movies just in general. Horror movies, yeah. Horror. But uh, during the month of October is when I really get into it. And I go back to some old classics. Remember one year you watched a different horror movie every single day in yeah. Hol- uh, in October. Thirty-one days of Halloween. That's right. That was fun. Yeah. I didn't do it the last couple of years, but hey, you know, it's time sometimes doesn't allow me to do that. But uh, we both have very odd work schedules, right. so it, 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 like things it, change. When when I'm home and I've been lucky to be home for the last month and a half, that we've been doing all kinds of crazy crap. So you know, watching a movie every single night wasn't really, you know, in the cards. And Anubis's work schedule, you know, one one week he could work. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, another week he can work Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's there's seven days a week. And I'm usually not back home till like nine o'clock at night, so it's hard to like fit in between everything else that we do, just chilling shows and whatnot. But it got me thinking like every Halloween or at least the month of October there's always like certain films that I'll dive into and watch because they're just not only classics, but just films that I really like that time of year. And obviously, the original Suspiria is one of them. Uh, Halloween, of course, the original Halloween, Carpenter. And then, of course, a couple of years ago, a movie called uh, Tales of Halloween came out. It was like a little anthology, and that became like a real fun thing for me to watch every Halloween. It's sort of along the lines of Trick or Treat, the one done by the guy that actually did. Uh, I oh, know you didn't do. Well, no, you might have done Godzilla. I can't remember, but uh, similar to that it has little short stories in it, and it was really fun. I know you enjoyed it a lot too. I did. I for me, it's always a nightmare on Elm Street. I, I don't. I'm. I must have been a really strange child because I loved. I'm talking child, like six, seven, eight. I loved Freddy Krueger. I watched. A Nightmare on Elm Street, it did not scare me. I watched Freddy's Nightmares, it did not scare me. I was always watching Freddy and Jason and Michael Myers, so I don't I don't know. Everything for me that screams Halloween is Nightmare on Elm Street. What about you? You think Nightmare on Elm Street is Halloween or is that more like No, it definitely is Halloween. I mean just any hor I mean for some people, it would probably be Night of the Living Dead, which I think we watched. <gasps> yeah, we watched that. And, um, you know, The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I... The Exorcist, when I was a kid, that actually did scare me. As we got older, we kind of... Found the humor. Yeah, we... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mike Myers. Yeah, yeah. Mike Myers, the Wayne's Dr. World. Evil, Dr. Yeah. Evil, Mike Myers. <laughs> the power of Christ compels you. Oh, I think you're going to be sick. <laughs> So, yeah, that's what happens when they start mocking shit like that. Uh, okay, but... What uh, was what was the one 
movie that you can remember being maybe be maybe being a kid or even as an adult that like really scared the pants off of you? Uh, well, it's funny because Nightmare on Elm Street when I first saw it in eighty five or eighty six, it had come to video at that point, and that that was pretty uh, jarring. Like that was like really good. Like you, it was before. Kruger even got a sense of humor, you know, it's like, he, he was dead serious he was about just fucking your shit up, yeah. yeah, you know, he wasn't playing around, uh, but, uh, when I saw, I first saw Suspiria, I didn't see it when I was younger, I saw it when I was like 27, and it was on the Sci-Fi Channel, or USA, or some shit, and that shit fucked me up, I was like, ooh, ooh, so that quickly became my favorite at that point, but, what about Jaws? Jaws is good. I mean, I've seen it so much now, I, I expect everything that's going to throw at me, but... But know. I know you said when you were a, a little kid, you, yeah, you I, went I, to see Jaws right. at the drive-in with your I babysitter. Bugged, I, bugged, I bugged my babysitter to take me with her to go see Jaws, because, you know, I'm thinking I'm a badass, and of course I had nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> and for a while, even as a kid, like, everyone tells the same story. It's like, I'm here... The bed's there. The light switch is here. And when that switch goes, I'm jumping to the bed. Because <laughs> who knows what's lurking in the like, floor over here. Even though it doesn't exist. Taking baths were like a nightmare sometimes too. You're like, hmm. Poltergeist got me too when I was little because of that. Like when they looked under the bed and that fucking clown. Yeah, yeah, that got me. <laughs> and I don't... I cannot remember what this was. It was either... A Showtime like or HBO series and it was this marionette that came to life and was walking all around the house and wreaking havoc. The woman runs into the bathroom to get away from this marionette and she peeks. You know how there's like a little crack under the door? She peeks under the door and the fucking marionette is peeking back at her. My grandmother was really into horror shows and, and books and I watched that with her as a child, and that really scared me. I don't, I, and I can't remember what show it was or what movie it was, but I remember well, I that scene strongly. Buffy did a, a similar thing to that. But this is pre-Buffy. I'm right. talking in the 80s. I mean, there's also the trilogy of terror. It wasn't that. It was something on television. It was a short, you know, horror thing. Yeah, I'm sure I saw the same thing, because I recall that i mean it scene. might have been tales from the dark side honestly yeah it, it might, might have been. been the original tales from the dark side because my my grandmother watched that all the time speaking of tales from the dark side one of the ones that i absolutely loved it was about a music box that was possessed and it was a ballerina who would dance to this music box and it eventually would kill it would make you an amazing dancer but eventually it would consume the dancer and you'd just be dead that oh, was a pretty swanny. Yeah, it was it was a pretty intense but I, I I loved that episode. Which brings us to the new Suspiria remake. Yeah, you finally got a chance to see it. It was it was good. Um there's some things like I like the differences. This was um in the original it was a ballet school and this was a modern school, which I, I really like. Honestly because Modern dance. Modern dance. Sorry, excuse me, modern dancing school. Um I really like it, especially it's still supposed to be taking place in the 70s, and 70s w was really big for modern dance. Ballet has been around for a long time, but modern kind of grew in the 20th century, and 
you see at the beginning um Dakota Johnson when she is auditioning it is a very intense it was you know they said oh you have no um you have no classic training and she just comes in and she's raw and that's really what modern dancing is that it's not in ballet everything is very this is how you do it this is it this is the way it's done and it's very perfect modern it there is you know a structure but it's not to the point where you can't let loose which fits this a lot more than a for me for a ballet dance ballet school because you've you've got this coven of witches running a school and it's more like the witches mafia going on right. so you've got this internal struggle power struggle going on with the witches which i really i like that that was a little bit different than mm -hmm. the original and you're telling me that they kind of combined the trilogy for um you said it was suspiria yeah, there's, there's three movies that Dario Argento did, and uh, they all dealt with three different witches. Uh, obviously, Suspiria's with uh, Mother Suspirium. Um, and instead of, like, draw, you know, drawing it all out to three different movies, uh, the director, I forget his name, but uh, the new one, he uh, combined the whole mythology of it all together, but... You, as she, as Neko said, you basically had this coven of witches here running this school that there was a power struggle of who was going to be a leadership. And of course, uh, Marcos, who is the lead witch, but is currently basically. She's rotting away. Like, right. When She's you finally, kind of hidden away. When you finally see Marcos at the end, she is grotesque. She's got like hands growing off of her body. She's being whatever spell she's doing is like consuming other people. Mm -hmm. And it's never like fully taking the forms that she wants. So it's taking she's sick and it's taking away her like life force itself, but then she's like absorbing other people and you see like pieces growing out of her. She it's insane, like so, the way that they make her look. That was really creepy. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the familiar names, like Tilda Swinton plays uh, Madame LeBlanc, who's of course a character from the original. So you have similar names and the similar themes. But... And she is the the artistic director of the dance school. And uh, but the one of the things, see, the thing for me, I, I wrote about the review back when I first saw it and. Obviously, I was very hesitant about watching because of my love for the original. And they are two completely different types of movies. They have, as I said, similar themes and similar format that they follow. But the new one was interesting in the fact that it, they, it was more about the dance being part of a tool that they use for their spells and trying to achieve certain things. I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but... The, the dance was integral in what is going on. Like, right. they needed to succeed. They needed the dancers. And they used the dancers without them even knowing it. Right. Or if they wanted to take someone down, mm -hmm. it was they used the dance as a way to take someone down. Yeah, in the original, the dancing was just like a backdrop to everything else that was going on. And in this one, it's actually a specific tool that the witches use to... Uh, in this case, Marcos was looking for a new vessel and for her body, and so that's sort of what that dance played into. 
So it's very interesting. Uh, definitely the way I look at it is I have to separate both movies because I find the new one just to be kind of loosely based off the original, but it, it is stronger on its own merits. It's just I don't know how often I'll watch it, but it, it's definitely a decent movie. I, I, I almost feel like I liked the new one better than the original. Um, I like how they used the dance as... The dance was important. You know, in... Well, Argento was always known for just going for shock value, and that's what it was about, and, you know, I understand that. That's why I still love that movie a lot. Um, the new one just wasn't designed to be the same way, although when you get towards the end, there, it does have its own moments, but uh, I kind of said to myself the ending the first time, like, really was kind of unnecessary. You didn't even really need all that to really get the point across because it was pretty strong on its own merits i think it kind of just did that to try to stay true to the original film but uh it's still very good i, I don't have any problems with it really outside of that i really but i was curious about your take because you do have a background in dance and i know that the dance itself the whole choreography was very cool i thought it was it was very cool they um they referenced some traditional modern dances that they used in order to get their point across and honestly the internal power struggle is a real thing as with dance teachers anywhere i've gone it's all politics sometimes it it's happy and like when you're having a a good weekend and your competition dancers are doing great and everybody's congratulating each other but Sometimes on a day-to-day basis, it's kind of like, oh my god, everybody's fighting with each other, or um, I've had parents and close friends who are parents, they'll say, I'm not, if my child gets put in a class with teacher A or teacher B, I'm pulling them. So it's, you see that, but clearly they're witches, but you see stuff like that happening with these, you know, women who are struggling like you're either with teacher a Mm -hmm. marcos or teacher b blanc and they go through like a voting process to where you know they're trying to decide who's going to lead the coven for the next few years or whatever it is that they have and so obviously you have some that are dedicated to one witch versus another and part of the mythology with marcos was that she was kind of like self-proclaiming herself to be Mother Sisporium, and she really wasn't. Right, so that she was under false pretenses, right. convincing the rest of the coven. And so that turns out to be an interesting thing towards the end. So either way, but that's it's she was able to make herself seem more powerful to the people that believed in her. So that you know, that's it's just an interesting plot, and I liked it a lot. So. I did too. It's very Halloweeny, very spooky, very I mean, exactly what you said. The dance is actually the tool mm-hmm. that moves the plot forward whereas they keep practicing and practicing and practicing. You saw that one part where they're like jump higher, jump higher, jump higher, jump higher. There's a reason they want her to do this right. particular dance in a certain way when they're doing their performance. It's not just a performance. It's meant to like move and work their spells. And it has a purpose. It's it's insane. I loved that about the movie. The only complaint I really have is I I I, I said to Anubis, I'm like, they're pulling the Lord of the Rings ending because. I felt like it ended 
after the big dance. Right. Then there's, like, the epilogue. And I'm like, eh, I didn't need that. It, it was okay, but it was just an unnecessary 15 minutes in my eyes. Yeah, the, well, there's the part with the the man, which is actually portrayed by Tilda Swinton as well. Uh, that storyline is really... It's not really that important to the whole movie, but they do it to kind of, like, just distract you from everything else that's going on. So, I mean, it's part of it, but it's at least a part of it. So they kind of dragged it on. That's why the movie drags on for two and a half hours. But uh, for the most part, I mean, if you're... I don't even remember the psychiatrist in, in the original. Well, there was. It was the guy that was actually given Jessica Harper's character of Susie Bannon the the lowdown about the witch. It was actually, I think it might have been Udo Kier, who was the character in that. He was one of them. Uh, but the the professor was telling her the backstory of the witches because she was so curious about what's going on there. So, it, but his moment in there is maybe like five minutes. Yeah, it's nothing like this where they, you know, he goes to the police. And right. Yeah, there's just all this stuff going on. That I I think that and then the epilogue kind of it it stopped momentum, and I I understand why they do it because it is a little bit hard to follow. At first, you like the way it starts. You don't know what's going on with the way it starts, and then why it's doing that. And then you have this. I, I get. Plus, it. you have altering languages. They go from subtitles to English, and yeah, they're speaking in German, English, and so French. So, if you do watch the film, just be sure you're paying attention because you will lose track if you don't know what's going on. That does happen throughout the movie. So, but it doesn't hurt the movie. It's just you got to make sure you're paying attention. So, so what did you give it? A seven out of ten. Uh, it was either seven or eight. I, I I didn't like really destroy it or anything. I mean, I mean, I, I would definitely give it an eight. Um, if they didn't have the epilogue, it would be a nine. You know how I hate when you just keep dragging the movie. I mean, out. I've been debating like whether or not I want to actually own it. I probably will eventually will own it just because I. I really am fascinated by the whole dance thing i think all the actresses did very well it's not like you know jessica harvard makes her debut and i'm not debut but uh what would you call it cameo uh, yeah she she has a little role in it which is nice um i know there's some other ones from the original suspiria in there as well scattered throughout but uh certainly a, a good movie it's really well done um it's just different than what you know people are expecting so uh, you know i'm fine with reboots and remakes so as long as i can enjoy them most of them it's, i can't so that they so that they uh stand alone so right. it's not like a frame by frame i just the way i look at the new one is that it's just kind of loosely based off the first one and that's fine it works both ways there for that so but it's good because it, even if you've never seen the original you can enjoy the new one with no problems all right on to the next back to the music uh, starting off the next block, some sabotage.
DJ Newis and DJ Neko back with you. It's about that time. The rock block. The rock block. The rock block. In this block, got some ACDC, Ozzy Osbourne, Fastway, Machines of Loving Grace, and of course, DJ Neko's Pick of the Week. Yup. So when that time comes, we'll be back with you. We're going to kick it all off. The latest from Stonefield. Dead Alive.
the moon
Back with you with the Hordes of Chaos on our Halloween special. DJ Anubis and... DJ Neko. And we're getting ready to hit up DJ Neko's pick of the week. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, with that in mind, tell us a little bit about it. Well, this... I'm trying to think what year this came out. 94? Maybe, maybe even earlier. I was in high school when I first heard of Danzig. I was in ninth grade, and I was hanging out with a bunch of dudes who thought they were cool, and they wore bomber jackets with patches on them, kind of like you do with your vest. And, you know, they were really into Danzig. And every time I hear this song, it just takes me back to being that, like, naive freshman who... I had friends, but then you come into this whole new world of people that you've never met, and all of my friends somehow did not have lunch with me. I had lunch the first, because we had A, B, and C lunch, and my, my school back in the 90s was one of the first schools who decided to do a 90-minute period. So you had four classes a day that were all 90 minutes. And they were trying to mimic it off of college to get you prepared. And it actually ended up getting you more credits by the time you graduate because usually it's seven periods a day and you'd follow that through the whole seat, through the whole school year. But this got you eight classes through the whole school year. So you would end up being able to graduate earlier. And then it, what ended up happening with me is in my senior year, I got to take a lot more electives and more dance classes, photography classes, etc. So here I am. I was only 13 when I started ninth grade, and that's because I have a late birthday and they didn't have the restrictions that they used, that they do now, where you have to be a certain age to start school. Wasn't even, I wasn't even 14 yet, I'm 13, all of my friends have no lunch, you know, at the same time. I had art class, second period, and then after second period, it was lunch. I befriended this guy in my art class who kind of had a crush on me and we kind of like dated a little bit. Nothing, I mean, what, what do 14 year olds do about dating? And um, I hung out with his little group of friends and it was my first introduction onto how to become social with people you don't know. I had always had this same group of friends and I still do keep in touch with a lot of them, but this was an introduction honestly to different music different people and it, it when I hear this song mother by dancing it reminds me you know just because you haven't heard it doesn't mean it's not good and just because people you don't know aren't your friends doesn't mean they're not gonna let you sit at their table for lunch so if all kids could have, remember that growing up right now that's okay befriend the weirdos befriend the jocks befriend the fancy people people will sit with you at lunch if you just take time to listen to what they like to listen to. Yeah, I think the first time that I remember hearing this, I actually had heard something from his other band, Sam Hain, before that, because MTV was always playing different stuff. And That's when they played lots of music and not, you know, yeah. no soap operas. <laughs> and they weren't afraid to play, like, you know, underground metal before they started just filtering it through all the regular stuff mm -hmm. you see throughout the day anyway, but... All right. Well, as Neko said, this is her pick. Danzig, mother. Audio jump. Attention, please. B 
Be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before. In a moment, we will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow. And we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome DJ Neko's pick of the week.
before but i'm like wait a minute i've heard this i've heard this i know this song and he's like yeah it's off of the crow soundtrack i'm like oh if you don't know the crow is like dj anubis's favorite movie and i mean we're sitting right next to eric draven behind us in the studio right now i um i think it came out when i was in ninth grade back to the ninth grade dancing 93 94 yeah and uh that group I was hanging out with also loved The Crow, so that kind of drew me into The Crow. I watched The Crow, The Crow, The Crow, listen to Danzig. Wow. Yeah, there were a few movies around that time that kind of represented the whole grunge and alternative rock era, and The Crow was one of them. Mm-hmm. And it really kind of, um, especially, we talked about this on another episode with the uh, kind of unusual aspects of brandon lee's death too that Mm -hmm. kind of you know made it more played into yeah made it more intriguing and made you want to watch the movie even more but what right now what we're really going to talk about speaking of storytelling talking about our buddy king diamond one of my most favorite artists i mean king diamond just blows me away every time i listen to him and i think i wore out my abigail cd like I, like I, a dirty pair of pants. Yeah, right? <laughs> I didn't even see... I didn't even know about King Diamond and, and Merciful Fate. They they go back to, what, late 70s, early 80s. Mm-hmm. So I never even heard of King Diamond until I met DJ Anubis in 2002. He introduced me to King Diamond, and the thing I loved about King Diamond was he wasn't just writing a bunch of stuff. He was storytelling. He was coming up with a theme for all of his albums and they were all part yeah i think of it was story. like when he released puppet master mm-hmm. like the bonus dvd and he was explaining his writing process and what the stories meant and he was Neko, telling the story Neko himself was like so engaged he's like this is, this is like a movie it's great and that's what he did he's talking about puppet master he's talking about the songs like it went through every single song like this is what the song means and this is the part of the story and this is why oh and then we're adding blood and this is turning you into a puppet and the eyes are doll's eyes but they're really human's eyes and it was just so when i hear king diamond and 
oh, everything about King Diamond is just two thumbs up. Yeah, when I first, I, the first song I ever saw was, again, a video MTV. It was I'm more of the MTV era where they actually played videos, but... That, we were just talking about that. Uh, the first video I remember seeing was The Family Ghost, and, you know, at the time I didn't really connect with King Diamond just because it was, it was like a whole new world to me, really, musically. I'm like, what the hell am I hearing? Uh, sort of like when I heard Hunting and Champion from Slayer, like it just it didn't click right away. So then I remember when The Invisible Guest got played on Z Rock, and this is probably around '88, and off the album Them, and, that, and then like I bought it because I really loved the tracks they were playing that year, and then I bought it, and then I started reading through the lyrics on the tape cassette. Yes, cassette. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm like, oh my god, this is a fucking story. This is beautiful. And it's like haunting and it's great. And he's just so great at not only crafting his lyrics, but the story itself and how he actually sings it on the record. It's like it's just, you actually feel it. And that's, that's hard to do really for a concept album is actually making the audience hear it. They hear what you're supposed to feel while listening to it. And with your imagination. Exactly. I, oh, I love King Diamond and The King and I... We have a, I don't know, sordid past. It took three tries for me to even see King Diamond in concert. The first time, I believe he had to have back surgery. So, tickets were refunded. We were kind of sad, but, you know, shit happens. Second time, we buy the tickets, we buy the special tickets, everything. I get a phone call on my cell phone, listen to the voicemail. Our tickets are being refunded again. The King sadly had to have quadruple bypass surgery. <laughs> I'm like, I'm never gonna see King Diamond, ever. I'm never ever gonna see him. So finally, this was a couple of years ago, um, actually recent couple of years ago because we had seen Ghost at mm -hmm. the Fillmore in Silver Spring. And then a few months later, King Diamond came through in the same Actually, venue. King Diamond first. I thought, I th no, no, no. Because after we, we saw Ghost, it's when I asked you. No, that, we saw King Diamond after, and uh, you, you, I said, I was a little disappointed in King Diamond because they did not play Abigail, which is my absolute favorite song by King Diamond. I actually had a cat named Abigail. Like, the whole album, Abigail. You had a lot of plans that night. You were trying to take a... Yeah, I was, I was trying. Yeah, I was trying. I had a picture of my cat Abigail, and I was trying to get backstage so that King Diamond would sign the. But picture. he doesn't hang around long when he's done. He's, I mean, he's older now, yeah. and he's he's probably not partying as much. So, King Diamond is important to the both of us, and you know what the stories that King Diamond talks about—all these like paranormal type things the invisible guest ghosts yeah. and stuff it was like we started thinking about our own paranormal experiences that we've ran into i mean i am kind of a skeptic so i still parts of me still like i i still want like i want it i do proof. too i want it i want to believe that's the reason but, i'm a skeptic is because there's so many fakes but i want to believe and see that's the thing my experience that i had back when i was living with my roommate chris is that you know 
the things I experienced, I hadn't said to him at all. And then when he told me about something that happened, I was like, oh, shit. And then I started putting things together. Like, Well, give give us a story about what happened in, in your house. All right, well, my, my, ish, my experiences were as follows. Um, basically, nothing was ever really huge. I just remember one time walking in my room and then hearing my name being called. And then I asked what? And... You know, my roommate was downstairs, and he asked me what he what I wanted. I'm like, "Did you call me?" He's like, "No." It's like, "Okay." And then uh, late at night, like I thought I heard like little kids laughing or something. It's always that, isn't it? It's yeah. always kids. Late so at much. night, I. <laughs> but um, trying to sing badly. Sorry. But after a while, like after I'd heard his story, which I'll get to in a minute. I started putting it together about my cat, Bastice, at the time, and she used to just stand or sit at the bottom of the steps looking up and just staring. Like, I was like, what are you doing over there? Do you see a bug? But then after hearing my roommate's story, like, his was a little more dramatic than mine in the sense that the way our rooms were, like, next to each other, but in his, he had the master room, which had a bathroom that tied into the living room and everything else, so... I was gone. I had stepped out, and when I came back, he's like, were you here, like, ten minutes ago? I was like, no, why? He says, well, one of my hats that was on my dresser across the room smacked against the bathroom door, and I checked everything. Like, the window was closed over there, so it couldn't have been wind. And he thought you were, like, just fucking with him. Right. Like, throwing the hat, be like, right. what are you doing, fool? And normally that's shit that I would do, because I used to always fuck with him at his mom's house, like, hiding behind trees and shit. <laughs> but, no, I was like, no. And then, like, you know, that was his experience. And I'm just like, I started talking to him. I started telling him my experiences, and we both kind of just looked at each other. But we had never had anything beyond that, so it's like, you don't know if it's just coincidence or the mind playing tricks on you or whatever. But when I put everything together, it's like, you know, maybe there was something going on that we just didn't catch. Maybe just something playful that just wanted to bother you. Well, yeah, it, nothing seemed malicious or anything, but it was just kind of funny that neither he or I had ever talked about what I had done. Because I thought it was all in my head anyway. And, but then after hearing his thing, I was like, well, shit, you know, that kind of makes sense with everything that's been going on. Especially with the cat and everything else, so because it's not, it wasn't a very big place. But I tried looking up online any history. See if on there's the house. any history right. in the area. Nothing. Even thought about driving there one day and just talking to the tenants if there's any there to see if they had experienced anything. Be kind of weird, but be like, is there is there a haunting going on yeah. in your home? Yeah. Yeah. You ever notice any weird shit going on? Because <laughs> I always wanted to know. But uh, I don't know. Maybe that's a future date I might have to do someday. Does Chris's dad still own the place? I don't even know. I'm not sure. So for me, like, my paranormal experiences are literally paranormal experiences, not like a ghost story or anything. I I happen to have night terrors, and I haven't had one in a very long time, coupled with sleep paralysis sometimes. So I don't even know... When I'm having, and my the first time I had one, I was sharing a room with my sister. I was young, um, in my early teens, and my sister was trying to wake me up, and 
it was kind of like I was half awake as she's waking me up and I got scared because it's dark and I all I see is this dark shadowy figure like over top of me so I, I started like choking her and she had to like smack me to wake me up and it kind of became a running joke in my family like if I would have a night terror and I'd scream, my dad, like, the first time my dad, like, because our house was a typical old Cape Cod, so the upstairs was just the bedrooms, and downstairs my parents had a bedroom. My dad came, like, zooming to the bottom of the steps saying, hey, oh my god, what is going on? What's going on up there? And, you know, I told my dad I, I, I just had a nightmare, and I woke up screaming. So it became a running joke, like, if I was ever screaming, I would be like, it would be like, oh, Melissa's just screaming again, ha, 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 it's a funny joke, you know. But as I got older, I, I kind of grew out of it, but the first time I spent the night over DJ Anubis's house, you know, back in 2002, I did it to him, and he, I actually, I guess I got scared and scratched him. Like, I had a huge scratch on him and a huge scratch on me, because I was freaking out. Yeah, that's the understatement of the year. The scratch that she did, it felt like Freddy Krueger just knifed me in the back. It and it was, was, it was, I, and they say it happens, especially if you're in a, you know, it was the first time I stayed with him. It, it, it happens when you're in new environments, and, you know... I had one maybe a few months ago, and now what he does is he just kind of, like, rubs my back and calms me down, and it just kind of, like... Yeah, I, I rather than, like, try to, like, jolt her awake to snap out of it, I try to, like, calmly, like... Well, that's what my sister did, and I woke up very violently because I was in the middle of having a night terror, and I was in that half-awake, half-asleep type thing... And it scared me, so I started attacking her. And I think that's kind of what happened the first time I was staying with you, as I was tossing and getting, you know, having a night terror and screaming. And you were trying to wake me up, and I just, like, I scratched you and somehow scratched myself at the same time. The other interesting story is not my own story, it's my sister's story. So, back when my 15-year-old nephew was only about, it was his maybe second or third birthday, she bought him a Fisher-Price digital camera. So it's meant for little kids to be dropped and, you know, get wet and stuff. She and her first husband had just knocked down their garage and built a new garage. A bigger garage so that uh, her husband could work on their cars and they had some ATVs and some fun things that he, like, you know, just, he was a gearhead kind of. So in the the old garage was one of those stone garages and it was small and it had double barn doors and this current garage is like a metal structure with a rolling door that slides up this digital camera was purchased from Toys R Us it was never opened it was never used it was opened on his birthday and when they opened it up there were already pictures on this digital camera of their old garage and I'm like, bullshit, you, you probably were testing it out to make sure it worked. But, and she said, no, seriously. There were pictures of the old garage with the stone facade and the two double barn doors. And we've had this garage for a couple of months now. We always kind of joke that because my sister lives in the house that where we grew up and it's kind of old and creaky and spooky. Well, I remember the one picture that I said looked like there was like that mist or whatever in the background. And that was a picture from Christmas of 86, uh, actually of my uncle, who it was just 
a candid photo. He was picking up a package, and it did kind of, And I'm like, ah, it's not. It's just, you know, probably cigarette smoke or yeah, something. Yeah, that's one thing you would think, but everyone was saying they weren't smoking at that time, so, yeah. And it, it is a creepy old house. It is not your average freaking house. The... And see, that was the thing. I remember going over there early on when your sister moved in. I remember saying, like, upstairs at one room, like, it just seemed very creepy. And that's where our bedroom, the the big room was where my sister and I shared the small room that, that's Riley, our niece's room. That was the front room. That's the creepy room, right? So I don't even know if Riley has any idea how creepy that room is, but back in the day, that was my great-grandfather's room, kind of like King Diamond. <laughs> Grandma! He would, he would, like, and he was, he was a character, he was... The old bitch is back. He, and he was not a malicious soul or anything, but he was an alcoholic, and he'd get a little, a little crazy, and my grandmother would have to put him in his place when they were, when I was younger, and, you know, back in the 80s, but I, it is a very odd house. It was built a long time ago. It doesn't even have traditional, like, heating and ventilation. Right. You know, it's, it's just unbelievable how old this house is and we grew up there my mom grew up there it belonged to my mom's uncle before that so it's kind of got this i i have no idea who lived there before my mom's uncle but there maybe there was something crazy that went on back then and we just don't know about it maybe i could probably look that up to see who the owners were yeah and then look up the owners yeah we'll do that uh okay so we're gonna kick off the next block with some king diamond speaking of uh, this isn't how the tracks appear in the record. Both are taken from uh, them, uh, but there is a piece of music called "Them," self, you know, named after the album itself. That's really cool. And then, of course, I'm gonna add the invisible guest in there. So. The invisible guest. We'll be back.
This is Pamela from After Dusk, and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Alright, DJ Newis and DJ Neko back with you with the Hordes of Chaos. Hordes of Chaos. Our Halloween special. That was some Slayer with South of Heaven. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I love that song a lot, and I know you totally enjoyed seeing their concert. Oh my god, so good. I know. Of course, I, I, I don't think I... The last time, of course, was a little different because obviously Hanuman and wasn't there or Lombardo, but... And the la- and then we saw them at um, OzFest, but this was uh, supposed to be their final farewell. Final tour, yeah. And, um, Although a lot of bands say that. That's that true. I mean, Cher's had how many farewell tours, but... Right. I... It sucked because... It was like a Tuesday night, and I left on that Friday 
and I'm like, oh man, you missed it by I just days. I missed it by days. Um, it's just the nature of the beast with my job. But you went out with a friend and someone who would enjoy it with you. And who else was it? Lamb of God. Lamb of God. Um, Cannibal Corpse. Um, and Monomar. Monomar. And Slayer. Yep. And it was. You said, because we've seen them on Amarth twice, but we saw them in much smaller venues. This was a larger stage, and you said Amon Amarth brought out the Viking ship, and Slayer yeah, had, yeah, like, the, the fucking flames going. It was just... Yeah, the, the, the stage stuff of Slayer is, like, one of the best I've ever seen. And I've seen them, like, going back to 1990 for the Seasons Tour at Red Rock. So, I mean, I've seen them over the years, and they're always great live, but this stage uh, was just, like, blown away. That's amazing. Yep. So, another uh, movie we want to talk a little bit about is we had a chance to go see Zombieland 2. Oh, yes, we did, didn't we? We did. Good old uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Woody Harrelson and company. Uh, the first one was very good as well. Uh, this one obviously looked equally as funny, and I think we both enjoyed it a lot. They seem to be knowing they're doing with the zombie stuff here. It was really funny. I mean... It is what it is. It is. It's not complicated. It's not like they're not trying to make you think. It is an action movie with zombies and comedy. It's that is literally what it is. Well, they even made that reference to the Walking Dead comedy. It's like, oh, this, oh, is, this really is really is scary. <laughs> this like, is so unrealistic. Yeah, they're like, this is so unrealistic. He's like, it's so funny. I think one of the funniest parts was the whole thing when he dressed up in the Elvis <laughs> Or when I started talking about Bill Murray. <laughs> oh, you murdered him. What do you, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh... Yeah, it was just so good. Obviously, it's the same group from before, you know, dealing with the uh, zombie apocalypse and... You know, now you got, uh, I'm not sure who the younger actress is. I can't remember her name. She's the girl from um, Little Miss Sunshine. I can't think of her name right now. Oh, it's going to kill me. Um, but she's, like, starting to get older and check out Boy. She And she's kind of like the odd man out, basically, with, you know, Eisenberg and Emma Stone are a couple. And, of course, Harrelson is just Harrelson doing his thing. But he's trying to be, like, this father figure to the younger girl. Um is that her name? Uh, is that her? Zoe Dooch? I don't think that's it. No. Why do I want to say she's... Oh, God, I can't remember her name. Anyway. Younger character. She's trying to... She's starting to have the rebellious teen years, I guess. When it comes to the zombie apocalypse now. So she's running off with strange... Boys. Abigail Breslin. There she is. Yeah. Not even who I thought it was, but there you go. Zoe Do Do Dutch or Dooch, I think I'm saying it wrong, Is uh was the airhead. Oh, yeah. She was quite funny, too. Oh, that was really good. So, yeah, they had a few different things in there. Uh, comedy is still top notch. Uh, there was one scene where both Harrelson and Eisenberg run into like their alter egos or their um doppelgangers and uh, they have they're like oh my god who's that remind you of yeah really I, I don't know I don't know I don't see what you're talking about what are you talking about but uh it's pretty funny so it's something for y'all to check out and get out there and look at 
Especially during the Halloween season. Mm. Alright, coming up. Got some overkill. Every Vital Remains and Sono. Could kick it off though with some brand new stuff from Titan Blood. Titan Blood? Black Vertebrae.
Hello, we are called Raven and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio.
classic Vital Remains. Farewell to Messiah and I Am God. DJ Neko? Yes. What'd you think? Yeah, it was kind of long. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know how you like those long songs. I guess it depends, you know. On what it is. But see, that wasn't really, like, proggy or anything, so... Yeah, I think it is the more proggier songs that kind of get me, like, oh, will this end, or it gets wankery, it's like... Unless it's Devin Townsend. Devin? Uh, he, he's special. I, I, <laughs> he's I mean, special. I, I hate to say it that way, but his long songs are, like, four songs combined in one. I mean, I... What's the one song I like? Earth Day? Mm-hmm. And what's one of the beer? Beer. Oh, Deconstruction. Yeah, like Deconstruction and Earth Day. They're long, but like, I don't know. They're funny. Well, this is going to conclude our Halloween special. Boogity boogity. Hope that all those that tune in and check it out like it. Obviously. That just remind me of something I was doing. <laughs> what? I don't know. I can't remember. What is wrong with you? Are you getting oh, old on me? It was uh, freaking Eric when he was doing his uh, impersonations during MDF, our song, Three Days he's of like, Glory. He's like, I need some he more He was doing monitors. Stewie. Yeah, yeah, he's like, I need some more vocals in my monitor. Yeah. yeah. So, happy Halloween, everybody. And, you know... This is going to be my last one for a while. I probably won't be back on the air until, like, December or January. Yeah, Nubus will have to hold the fort down. I don't think he can, not without DJ Neko. Of course I can. I've been doing it. I... You're the star, yes, I know. I am the one. Everybody wants to hear DJ Neko. <laughs> one last track for you. I love you, baby. It's one of the creepiest songs ever. It's from Sunno. It took the night to believe. Take care, all. Happy Halloween. Be safe. Peace. <laughs>